Welcome to the Vintage Church Podcast. Through this podcast, we hope to challenge and equip you to take your next step in your relationship with Jesus and in living and loving like Him. To say that marriage is hard is an understatement. And as divorce is on the rise in our culture, it's easy to lose sight of God's original intent and design. God created this relationship and has given us tools to ensure that it not only survives, but thrives. And through His help and guidance from His Word, we can work to eliminate the issues that are threatening our relationships and to move our marriages to a place of real and lasting health. Well, good morning, church. I know, first service was rowdy. Y'all going to bring the same level of energy as they did? Because y'all got to sleep longer. All right, okay, okay, okay. Who has their tree up? All right, listen. If I want to eat a turkey leg whilst looking at my Christmas tree, you don't have a right to judge me, okay? If I want to have a scoop of corn casserole and listen to Mariah Carey, all I want for Christmas is you, I should be able to do it without your eyes casting judgment upon me. Some of us, at least we waited till this weekend. Some of y'all took off your Halloween costume and put up your tree. That's the crazy people, okay? But we can't forget Thanksgiving is on the way, and I just have to pause and just talk about this event because this Thanksgiving thing that you're hearing about that we do every year is perhaps one of my most favorite events that we do all year because it is a powerful evening where we get to love on our community in a unique and special and powerful way. Some of y'all, maybe you never, you're new to vintage and you haven't been here through Christmas and you're like, why are y'all so excited about handing out turkeys? I don't understand. Like, it's so much more than giving people a meal because we get to look at people that get overlooked. We get to go in people's homes and stare them in the eye and just say, we see you, we notice you, that the body of Christ has not forgotten you. That we get, and, and let me tell you, you, you need to be here for that delivery. And, and it was funny, when we, when we moved into this building, we had people ask, like, now that y'all got a building, are y'all just going to start having your Thanksgiving dinner there? No. Why is it the church is always trying to make reason, excuses to make people come to us instead of us going to them? But that Tuesday night, like, you'll walk into homes to deliver these meals, and you'll look in the eyes of people that are hurting and broken and struggling and believed that everyone has forgotten them. And you'll get to sit down and have a conversation with them and maybe pray over them and just listen to their story and make them actually feel some dignity, maybe that, that they haven't felt in a really, really long time. And so that Tuesday night, we're going to disperse people all over this county. And the, cool, the first year that we did this, I think me and a couple of our staff delivered like eight meals. And now this year, like, we're doing more than, I think, 19 schools that, we, that we're doing. And we've passed off some other schools to other churches in our community that have come to us and adopted this model. And we've had call from churches in other states that are doing this. So there'll be churches that are doing <laughs> churches in Georgia and churches in New York State. Like, like this is going to, it's just awesome. And so that Tuesday night, plan to be here to deliver meals. Some people say, well, i got to work. Quit your job. If you quit your job to deliver Thanksgiving meals, God will give you another job. And that won't happen, I don't think. But, but if just you want to be a part of this, and I just want to pause for a minute and go ahead and bathe that event in prayer. So would you join your hearts with me? Father, thank you for the opportunity that you give us 
to get outside these walls because this is not the church. We are the church. And God, church is not a place that you go. It's a people that we are. And God, when we get to just disperse and go out and step into homes of people that may never sit in this room but deserve to know that they are loved. And Father, I pray that that evening we will just spread the gospel better than we ever have before. God, may you be glorified in it in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, we're in part two of a series called By Thread. And as you can see, just because it clearly says a marriage series, I know what happens when we do a marriage series, that people, people want to check out, either single people who just don't want to hear it or married people who just don't want to hear it. But we have to just be honest that marriage is hanging on by a thread. Marriage is hanging on by a thread. And I don't mean, like, I mean, literally, like, there are marriages in this room that are hanging on by a thread. There are people sitting around you whose marriage is hanging on by a thread. Yeah, they tied the knot at some point, but that knot is just a string. And at any any moment, they're convinced it, it could snap and they could just be done. But I would even submit, because of that, just the concept of marriage is hanging on by a thread. Just just the reality of this kind of relationship, so much so that, like, most people are opting out. More and more people are choosing not to even get married. I mean, why get married? Because grandma had a terrible marriage. My daddy had a terrible marriage. Like, I've never seen a good marriage. So is a good marriage even possible? And some people have convinced themselves that the answer is no. And so they're just just opting out and completely just abandoning it. But, But I'm not giving up on marriage. I'm not giving up on yours, and I'm not giving up on the concept of it. Because I believe that marriage is still a beautiful thing. And I wish some of y'all did too because I needed an amen right there. Okay, thank you. Like, I think that, that God, God ordained that, that marriage is, is, is intended to be this, this sacred, beautiful union. And that when you do it right, see, some people are ending up bitter in a relationship that was supposed to make you better. That in a relationship that was supposed to make you better, so many people are ending up bitter. But I would submit to you that it doesn't have to be that way. That it it can be this beautifully powerful thing that that makes you better and not bitter. But I would also submit to you that only that, that there may be the reason why marriage is hanging on by a thread, that relationship is hanging on by a thread, is because the more I look at our culture, relationships in general are hanging on by a thread. Can we just be honest today? I know it's church. But can we just be like, not only is the marriage relationship hanging on by a thread, just relationships in general are hanging on by a thread. I mean, you think about your own life. How many real, sincere, authentic, healthy relationships do we have? We live in a world that's more connected than ever. But we've got a lot of superficial connections and no real, significant, sincere relationships. Oh, I got 1,500 Facebook friends. If you're probably like me, you're flipping through there thinking, who are these people? I ain't never seen that person in my life. And in a world that seems like we got all, we got more and more excuses to be connected but not really live in community. And we don't have the, this community that God said we would need in order to flourish and be healthy in this life and you know what we're so connected but so isolated and there's no real relationship and I've been I've been studying like because I'm launching a new middle school model and and y'all pray for me because I'm be hanging out with middle schoolers for a while till we can raise up another leader really soon (laughs) but when I was a kid 
the things that plagued my generation as a kid don't seem to be plaguing this generation. Teen pregnancy is down. Teen drug abuse is down. Like all the things that we, all the stupid things we did growing up have, have gone down. But, but teen depression and suicide and anxiety levels are at an all-time high. You don't think those things aren't connected? That there's a deep-rooted loneliness in our culture that's frightening. And so maybe the reason why marriage is hanging on by a thread is just because we don't even know how to have real healthy relationships at all anymore. And we've stopped working for it. I mean, think about And, and we, we live in this culture that's, that's, that's so easy and casual. There, there's, there's no relational loyalty to anymore. Like, we're so quick to walk away from each other. You say one thing that offends me, and I'll never talk to you again. Like, we can't even disagree and still be friends anymore. And it's like relationships are just falling apart. And so, so maybe there's, like, just some bigger things at play here that we need to really have a conversation about, church, because we need each other. And I'm just convinced that the only way to bring it back from the brink is to do it God's way. I think the only way to have healthy marriage, healthy relationships, is to approach them the way God desires and designed. I just deeply believe that. I think God has, God's word has a lot to say about these issues. And until we align our hearts with his hearts as it pertains to marriage and relationships, these things are going to continue to hang on by a thread. And the God's word has said a lot about these issues. And last week, that's kind of where we started. Because as those of us who follow Jesus, our desire should be align our hearts with God's desire. That whatever Jesus has taught us about anything, we have to, we have to align our hearts with, with the way that he thinks. And Jesus has a lot to say about this stuff. And, and what Jesus said about marriage is he reiterated God's design and, and so revealed his desire. And if we're going to have healthy, thriving marriages and relationships, they got to be God-defined, God-driven, and God-dependent. And if, we, if, we, if they're not, then, then we'll maybe have some type of superficial relationship, but it won't be the kind of relationship that God said was designed to make us better. In, in studying last, for, for last week and preparing and reading about Jesus pointing back to God's design, I read a lot in Genesis, and I noticed something. I noticed something in Genesis chapter 2 that I'm going to try to unpack to you today. Because I think in Genesis chapter 2, God's doing something that is so often missed because we just read right through it right quick. Because it's the Old Testament, right? We just read right through it. We don't pay no attention. So go to Genesis chapter 2. Genesis chapter 2, and I want to just read it, and then we're going to unpack it together. Genesis chapter 2. You ready for the word of God? Somebody say amen. Come on. Genesis chapter 2, verse 7. It says, Then the Lord God formed a man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And the man became a living being. Now the Lord God had planted a garden in the east in Eden, and there he put the man he had formed. The Lord God made all kinds of trees grow out of the ground and trees that were pleasing to the eye and good for food. In the middle of the garden were the tree of, was the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. The Lord God made the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and to take care of it. And the Lord God commanded the man, you are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but 
You must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, for when you eat from it, you will certainly die. The Lord said, it is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a suitable helper for him. Now the Lord God had formed out of the ground all the wild animals and all the birds in the sky. He brought them to the man to see what he would name them. And whatever the man called each living creature, that was its name. So the man gave names to all the livestock, the birds in the sky, and all the wild animals. But no, but for Adam, no suitable helper was found. So the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. And while he was sleeping, he took one of the man's ribs and then closed up the place with flesh. Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib he had taken out of the man and brought her to the man. And the man said, this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called, whoa, man. <laughs> For she was taken out of man. That is why a man leaves his father and mother and he's united to his wife and they become one flesh. And Adam and his wife were both naked and they felt no shame. Now, that ain't probably an unfamiliar passage to most of us. We've read that before, come on. But you ever read the Bible and, and, and allow yourself to ask some questions? Like, God, why did you do things the way you did them? If you haven't, that's, that's a good thing to ask. God, why, why did you do this the way that you did it? Because if I understand anything from Scripture, that why God does what he does is as important as what he does. And there's method to the madness. Because here's what I know about God. God doesn't do anything random. God, like, wasn't making this up as he was going. Like, oh, this is what, what will I do tomorrow? Trees. Tomorrow, water. Thursday, I don't know yet. Like, God's not random in what he does. Like, everything is, is intentional and purposeful. Right? Come on. That's the way that God works. God doesn't do anything, like, random. There. And so this is my question. I got asked this question this week because I read now. Why didn't God immediately make Eve? Did you see there's an order? It's like, he makes Adam. It says he makes him, and he forms him from the dust, and he breathes life into his nostrils and he becomes a living being and then why not go ahead and Adam go to sleep let me have a rib like why not then but then, no no like he doesn't immediately make Eve he he puts him then he takes him and he and he places him in this place called Eden and the more I read it like I don't I, I, I could even make case he doesn't put him directly in the garden but he puts him in, he creates a garden in Eden and then he puts him in Eden then he puts him in the garden and then he gives him some jobs to do I'm thinking, why didn't you create her before you gave me that work to do? <laughs> like, she could have helped with this. Naming all them creatures. Maybe that's why God didn't do it. Because like, babe, what should we call this? I don't know. I don't care. Snake. <laughs> you know how it's going to go? Snake. No, I don't like that. <laughs> it's my wife in the room. Sorry. But then, and then he comes to this point where, he, where he's done all this. And then sometimes I think we read that, it's almost like, like we feel like God realized he messed up. It's like, oh, wait, not good, it's Adam's alone. Like first, almost like God was shocked. He was surprised. Does anybody believe that that's possible with God? No, absolutely not. 
So when he comes to this point, when he looks at him and says, it's not good for you to be alone, it's not like all of a sudden God had an epiphany that he didn't know about. It's not all of a sudden like God had a revelation because God is revelation. So there's more at play. And maybe him saying it's not good, it's not that God recognized it wasn't good. It was that God needed to communicate it to Adam that being alone for him was not good. So God was not saying like, oh man, it's not good. Why didn't I see this coming? And then he says, no, no, it's not good for Adam to be alone. And then he creates parameters for him. He creates some rules. And then he moves on and he makes Eve. I just don't believe that's random. And I don't believe any part of it is random. And so this week I started chewing on that. And I started thinking, am I, am I just seeing something crazy? God, am I just, I mean, what's, what's going on? And so I started researching this and, and even found out, hey, but there's some, there's some other people that I respect who study the word that say, you know what, this, this isn't random either. That, that maybe, just maybe, there was, there was a reason why God waited to establish this covenant of community. That there were some things he had to establish in Adam before he gave him Eve. That maybe there were some things that God needed to establish in Adam before he gave him Eve. Or maybe he wouldn't have been the spouse to Eve that Eve needed. And maybe what's killing our marriages, killing our relationships is we're not allowing God to establish in us what's necessary for us to have before we enter into that level of relationship. And maybe, just maybe, that's why we keep messing it up. And maybe there's something to learn from what God was trying to establish in Adam before he was given Eve. Because Adam needed to be ready for that relationship. And sometimes we say, like, the reason why people are having trouble in marriage is because they wasn't ready. <laughs> I would submit to you that a lot of the people that I've watched end up divorced. They weren't ready. I'm going to take your silence as agreement. That and I know, here, I know here's the question. Well, well, Matt, how do you know if you're ready? I don't know how to tell you when you're ready, but I know how to tell you when you ain't. <laughs> That's like some people, well, how do you never know if you're ready to have kids? I don't know how to tell you when you're ready, but I can sure see some things that say, you ain't ready. You ain't got no job or no house. You don't need no baby. <laughs> Amen from the church. Like, I can't necessarily tell you when you're ready, but I can identify some things that when we're not. And see, there's some, and, and, and the, the reason why, there's three things that I'm watching kill marriages. Kill, not just marriages, kill relationships. Insecure, immature, unhealthy. Insecure, immature, unhealthy. Just about every time a relationship, no matter what level, whether it be marriage, friendship, whatever, it's a result of immaturity, insecurity, or just being unhealthy. And maybe there's some things that we can learn from what God is doing as he's leading Adam towards marriage that we need to do as well. Notice the first thing. First, God puts him in a position to establish identity. 
God puts Adam in a position to establish identity. He says, the Lord God formed a man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living being. Right there in those words, Adam's identity is established because he was created by God and for God and in his image. And that is where the start of your identity will always begin. The foundation of who you are is knowing whose you are. That you were created and formed by God. And the fact that you were created by God and in his image automatically gives you a value more than you could ever understand. You, we all long to know who we are. Come on. You have moments when you just look in the mirror and you're like, all right, who am I? Well, how do, and how do I even know? But if you root your identity in the wrong source, you will never be secure. Your identity comes from the fact that you were created by God. You are not accident. I don't care what your mama says. You're not an accident. You were formed in your mother's womb before you were even known. Again, before you, were, before you took a breath, you were in God's heart. Ooh. And that gives you more value than you can understand. And if your value is not rooted in the, if you don't find your identity in God, if you don't establish your identity, it will breed insecurity. And nothing is more toxic in a relationship than insecurity. Come on. It will make you paranoid. They will never be good enough. They will never be able to do enough. You're going to constantly be wondering and thinking and like insecurity. I'm watching it kill relationships. You know what else insecurity does? It makes you mean. Because when you don't feel valued, you're going to try to devalue everybody else. And you cannot get value when you look to the wrong source for that security. And Adam, God was establishing his identity in, those, in, the, in the beginning. And before he had that covenant community relationship, he was establishing the priority of his heavenly relationship. And see, the reason why this is so dangerous in relationships is because like, if, if you don't see value in you, you will let them to continue to devalue you. You'll let people talk to you in a way that you don't deserve and treat you a way that you don't deserve and do things to you that you don't deserve. And you all think it's okay because you don't feel valuable, you don't feel worth, you don't feel secure in who you are. Your identity is in God. Let me tell you something. You get two people, you get insecurity and combine it with insecurity and see, here's the problem. This is why marriage is hanging on by a thread. You get insecure, immature, and unhealthy, and you combine it with insecure, immature, and unhealthy, and it is a toxic recipe. It's like putting Mentos in a Diet Coke. Y'all ever seen that? YouTube it. It's awesome. You drop out nine Mentos in Diet and it just shoots up and spews everywhere. Maybe it's the eight-year-old boy coming out of me, but I think it's fantastic. 
But it's a toxic combination when you get insecure combined with insecure and, and, and low self-esteem with low self-esteem. And it's just this nasty, toxic combination that can be just deadly. And it can only be resolved with rooting your... And see, Adam, he, God was giving him a position, a position to establish his identity, to know... See, if you have an inappropriate understanding of who you are, you'll always have inappropriate expectations of them. So can I just remind you that you are God's handiwork? Every one of us. You are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for you to do. So single people, let me say this to you. Identity before I do. Identity before I do. Know who you are. Establish that. God gave him a position to establish identity, but then he also put him in a place to build maturity. He put him in a place to build maturity. It says, now the Lord God, in verse 8, now the Lord God had planted a garden in the east in Eden, and there he put the man he had formed. Verse 15, the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. That before, see, like even after he established identity, he didn't go straight to that covenant community. He, he, he put him in a place. And, and I, even as I read this, I even wonder if Adam went straight into the garden. It says he created Eden and he created a garden. Then he put Adam in Eden. Was he in Eden just kind of hanging out, chilling outside the garden? And then put in the garden, but he spent time in the garden. And God even put him in a place for him to be able to establish and work his purpose before he ever got a partner. That he has this place where he's, he's growing and he's developing and he's building maturity and these things are happening. And some people might, well, well Matt, how, how do you know this didn't really happen really fast? Well, first of all, Adam had to name all them animals. That took time. I got to believe that didn't happen in a day. There's a lot of animals. And so Adam, he's naming all the, like, like God is doing something. And, and there's this season where he's in a place where God's trying to build and do some things in his life and build maturity and grow him up. And we don't like that. We don't like those seasons. I'm out here just working by myself, God, naming all these animals. Snake and porcupine day after day. And like monotonous. I'm all by myself. And I'm impatient. And I'm ready for what's next. See, there's a lot of people in the room, you're in a place where God is trying to build maturity. And you're trying to rush through it. And if you rush through it, it won't be maturity. It'll be immaturity. And you'll step into the next place and you won't steward it well. Because we, we, we don't like, we, don't, we, have a tr we have such a hard time embracing the season we're in right now, don't we? We're always looking at the next season. And when you're always looking at what's next, often you miss what's right now. And what's right now is necessary for what's next. But if you don't embrace it, if you don't lean into it, you ain't going to learn anything. I, swear, like I, I remember growing up, man, like, I cannot wait till I turn 16. Get my car, my freedom. <laughs> then you get your car, and I ain't got no gas, and I can't go nowhere because I ain't got no money. <laughs> and then you think, oh, wait, wait till I graduate, 
I turn 18 and I'm adult and I can do what I want to. No, you live under my roof and I pay all your bills. Oh, if I just get to college and get out of this roof and go be out of my own and do whatever I want to do, then you actually got to study or you fail. I cannot wait till I get married. (laughs) And we're so busy trying to rush through these seasons that we're missing the lessons that are in them and we're just continuing to ruin things along the way. That before Adam ever got Eve, yeah, he put him in a position to establish identity, but he put him in a place, and I think that place was for a length of time to build maturity needed. So let me, single people, embrace the season of single. Because there are things that you need to learn there that will be really useful when you ain't. I know that's not good English, but it's good preaching. There's a place, and, and like, like in this season, there's something more valuable. Proverbs 13, see, blessed are those who find wisdom, those who gain understanding, for she is more profitable than silver and yields better returns than gold. She is more precious than rubies. Nothing you desire can compare with her. Long life is at her right hand, and her left hand are riches and honor. Her ways are pleasant ways, and all her paths are peace. She is a tree of life to those who take hold of her. Those who hold her fast will be blessed. That's the her you need before the her you want. And you'll miss it if you don't embrace it. That before God established marriage, he established a position that allowed him to establish identity and put him in a place to build maturity. But then God also created parameters to establish authority. He created parameters to establish authority. Verse 16, Genesis 2. And the Lord God commanded the man, you are, set, or you are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you should not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, for when you eat from it, you will certainly die. Now, I think there's a lot of reasons why God did this, but one was to establish his authority over, over Adam. That don't forget, Adam, like I've given you all this freedom and you got all this cool stuff, but remember, I'm in charge. And there's a way that I want you to do things. And you need to allow me to set your parameters, to set your standard. Because if I don't set your standard, you might get in a relationship. And because of emotion or love or lust, you will allow that standard to be compromised. And you will drift outside my parameters and outside my authority. And it will not go well for you. That he establishes parameters to say, hey, 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 I'm your authority. Don't forget, I am your God. She is not. He is not. Your husband is not your God. Your wife is not your God. Your kids are not your God. So stop letting them run your house. I went from preaching to meddling. Quick, didn't I? Like there is only one that can have that authority in your life. And you know what? That whole unhealthy thing, we can't be healthy if we're living outside God's parameters. Come on. I said insecure, immature, and unhealthy. There is a reason. Everything that God has established, everything that God has said not to do and everything that God has said to do is to maintain and sustain your physical, emotional, and spiritual health. 
And when you live outside those parameters, you cannot be healthy. Somebody support me in that. Come on. Like you cannot be healthy when you live outside of God's guardrails. And here's the thing, too. Like if, if, if you don't let God set your standard, then something will or somebody else will. And when you let something or somebody else set your standard, you'll always settle for less than God's best. You will not allow yourself to be loved the way that he intended you to be loved. There's so many people like because God's not, God has set a standard. And you know what? There's a standard for your spouse. It is in God's word. And if you're single, don't you settle for less than God's standard. Don't settle for anybody loving you less than Jesus would want you loved. He set this standard and 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 and. We know that if we follow that standard, like in Psalm 139, teach me, Lord, the way of your decrees, that I may follow it to the end. Give me understanding so that I may keep your law and obey it with all my heart. Direct me in the path of your commands, for there I will delight. That God, inside of your boundaries, inside of your parameters, when I allow you to be the authority and set the standard for me of what is right and what is wrong and what is appropriate and what is not appropriate in relationship, then I can flourish. God established, gave him a position to establish identity, put him in a place to build maturity, then set parameters to make sure he established his authority. Then he gave him a partner that would give him that covenant community. Then for Adam, there was no suitable helper found. So the Lord caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. And while he was sleeping, he took one of the man's ribs and then closed it up with the place in his flesh. Then and only then. See, there was things that God had to establish in Adam before he gave him Eve. And there's so many people that are trying to have a relationship that they're not quite ready for. But when you do all this thing and you keep it in the right order, what Solomon wrote about relationship and Ecclesiastes, two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. If either of them falls down, one can help the other up, but pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. Also, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves in a cord of three strands is not quickly broken. See, a lot of times we read this, two are better than one, not in my experience. Every time I've been two, they've hurt me, they've disappointed me, they've done. And maybe it's because somewhere along the way, you tried to skip the steps. You tried to jump over the position and bypass the place and you've ignored the parameters and went straight into partnership and then it went south. Single people, you get to do it right from the beginning. You get to make a commitment right now in this moment, in this day, that, that you will root your identity in him, that you will embrace the season you're in, and in that place, let him build the maturity necessary in you now for what's next. And you will commit to his guidelines and let him be the authority and set the standard for your life so that when that partner comes along, that spouse, that husband, that wife comes along, you'll be ready for it. Now, I know what you're thinking. Man, I'm married. What do I do? I just identified your problem. I just, somewhere in this sermon, I hit, I hit the nail on the head. Our marriage is struggling because I've put my identity in him. I've rooted my identity in her. And that's created all kinds of issues. And I know right now I've got to replace my, my source for me to be secure. It has to be in God. And right now I've got to make that change. Or you know what you say? Hey, the, the reality is I've got to grow up. 
And I've got to build some disciplines in my life to maintain my discipleship and my growth and who God has created me to be. And I've stopped, got to stop being dependent on him or her or them to make that happen. I've got to own it and I've got to grow up. Because it's my immaturity that's killing my marriage. Or somewhere along the way, you know, you and your spouse have just ignored God's standard. And you're just trying to do it his way. You haven't adhered to anything that he desires for you, for your money, for your home. And it's ruining your marriage. I don't care where you are on the spectrum. There's something that God's trying to plant in your heart to say, hey, that's what you need to deal with. That's what you need to wrestle with. That's what you need to apply. Because if not, your marriage is going to fail or your relationships are going to continue to be less than what I designed them to be. So will you bow your heads, close your eyes. And will you just talk to God for a minute as we get ready to worship? Lord, what do I need to do? What do I need to deal with? What do I need to change? What do I need to wrestle with? Single, married, doesn't matter. There's something in this truth that you need to attack, that you need to do with. Maybe you need to come down here and pray. Maybe as we worship, you need to fall at the feet of Jesus and just ask him for strength to stick to what you need to stick to. Or maybe you need to walk down here with your spouse and just start to pray and commit to some really important things to establish that relationship as it needs to be. Father, I pray that you would use this time. Comb through our hearts and God, whatever it is that you're trying to point out, that you're trying to dig out, God, I pray that you just help us to see it. God, speak to us in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Vintage Church Podcast. Stay connected with what's happening at Vintage by downloading the Vintage Church app, where you have access to sermon notes, upcoming events, devotionals, previous podcasts, and discover ways to connect in community. You'll also have access to our deeper podcast, which is a conversational deep dive into the message from the weekend. We hope you join us again soon.